Did you have a good Christmas day with your family? I hope you did. Did you get everything you wanted? More importantly, did you give everything you wanted? For most people, I think, well, those who celebrate Christmas, uh, Christmas entails giving and receiving gifts. And for the past few weeks, we've been looking at the gifts that the Magi brought to this one who was born in Bethlehem. We saw the gift of gold, which was an acknowledgement of his kingship and lordship. And we saw the gift of frankincense reflected in that they had come to worship him. They recognized that he was something more than merely a man. And the gift of myrrh seemed to portend his death that was coming for our sins. And we've been talking about how we could reflect those gifts in our lives. We might not have gold to bring, but we can reflect that gift of gold by submitting our lives to him as, his, as our Lord and our King. We can acknowledge and worship him as God and giving him the highest priority in our lives. And we can glory in his cross, admitting our sin and coming to him as our savior and our reconciliation to God. We can bring to him the gifts of our own hearts and our own lives. But you know, our gifts are gifts given in response. They're given in response to the great gift that God has given us. Because in coming to us, God has given to us himself. And on the cross, the God-man gave himself for us. And in sending the Holy Spirit, God came to dwell within us and to give us new life. And the question is, how do you respond to that gift? After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, 
they returned to their country by another route. Father, we give you thanks for the indescribable gift that you have given to us in Jesus. And Lord, help us to see that in him we've received all that we need and really all that we want. And help us, Father, to be those then who would give the gifts that you would want in return. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. In the birth of Christ, God sent his greatest gift into the world. How will you respond to it? The priests and the scribes, the teachers of the law, they responded with an enlightened indifference. We read in verse 3 and following, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And when he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. Well, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. And then they cite Micah 5. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. These four short verses bear witness to a monumental spiritual tragedy. Because these religious leaders were enlightened people. They knew the scriptures. People went to them for answers. What do the scriptures say? What has God said? They knew the importance of obscure passages of scripture. Who would have known to look in Micah chapter 5 for the answer to the question? They knew that the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem, not in Jerusalem. That's where the Magi had thought they would find him. And these chief priests, these teachers of the law, they were enlightened, but they were indifferent. They didn't go with the Magi to see the Christ or even to investigate whether what they were thinking was so. They had their Bibles, I suppose, and they thought, well, that's all we need. We've got our Bibles, and that's all we need. They had their Bible, and they didn't think that they needed the Christ to whom that Bible bore witness. You know, for us, a lot of times we read on the pages of the New Testament, we see the Pharisees, the um, Sadducees, the priests, the teachers of the law, the scribes, mixing it up with Jesus. And so we kind of think of them as these, these are the bad guys. They're kind of like the Philistines. You know, they're brutish and they're nothing like us, right? We would do well to look closer. I can't tell you how many people I've known over the years who were biblically literate, theologically savvy, who with their lips declared their dependence on God, but with their lives lived as though there really were no God but they themselves. And for them, God was a figure that was far off, they had their Bibles, they exceeded in theological learning and knowledge, they could use big words like eschatology, 
and soteriology and hamartiology. And they thought their Bibles were enough as though we could read them and save ourselves by the things written in them. They may have talked about Christ, but they were indifferent to him in their daily lives. But, but the point of this, really, as we read this, is not about other people. These priests and scribes are here for my sober reflection, for your sober reflection. The question they should prompt is, do I live that way? Do I trust in my knowledge of the Bible, my theological learning and literacy, but in my daily life I'm really indifferent to Christ? Now, I'm not condemning biblical or theological knowledge, far from it, but I've known too many people who have a lot of biblical and theological knowledge, but who in their daily lives are indifferent to Jesus. And I've known people with small knowledge and not very theologically savvy who have reflected and radiated Jesus in their lives. The priests and the teachers of the law responded to God's great gift with an enlightened indifference. Herod responded with a pretended worship. Uh, Herod was a particularly brutal ruler, history tells us. In 40 BC, with the help of the Parthians, where the Magi had come from, uh, Antigonus had seized Jerusalem and Judea from the Romans. And Herod went to Rome to raise an army. He was a young man then. And, and he was appointed by Rome uh, with the title King of the Jews if he could retake Jerusalem and hold it. And he did so. But Herod was so paranoid about losing his kingdom, losing control of his kingdom, that he arranged to have killed anyone who he even suspected opposed him, including a wife and two of his sons. And Herod responded to the news of the birth of Christ with the pretended worship. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. I'm not in the least bit surprised to see that the pretended worship comes from a political figure. Throughout history, politicians have observed how easy it is to manipulate people if you claim to share their faith. I've got a friend who is a devout Christian who used to work on Capitol Hill 
for a congressman. He was hired because he was a devout Christian. And once when the congressman was considering a decidedly unchristian course of action, my friend objected and he said, but, but what about our Christian principles? And he was told by the chief of staff, he said, well, you know, sometimes reality requires that we <clears throat> rise above our principles. And over the years, I've had occasion to keep some extended company with people who have occupied political office, local or at a state level. And some of those have claimed to be believers in Jesus. I can't tell you how often I've been shocked to hear from the horse's mouth that such a claim is about as deep as the soundbite claiming it is long that it's just been a way of garnering the favor of certain people and uh, getting together a voting block. And it's the easiest thing in the world for politicians to say, oh, I too want to worship him. I'm not saying that all politicians who make the claim are lying. I truly hope that they are sincere. But I always maintain a skepticism of politicians who claim to share my faith because it is far too easy to use religion for the purpose of manipulation. As soon as you find him, come back and report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Would Herod really pay homage to the one who was born it's the Christ. Sure, of course, if it served his political purpose. But as the very next section of Matthew shows, if he perceived Christ to be a threat to his political purpose, he's only too willing to try to crush the Christ out of existence. But the really important thing here, again, is not to raise questions about politicians, present or past, but to raise the question to ourselves. Am I only a pretended worshiper of Christ? Do I give lip service to his worship as long as I think that that will benefit me to gain some other end? My willing to crush Christ out of my life if he interferes with my true desires or my aims or my goals. The priests and the teachers of the law responded to God's gift with an enlightened indifference. Herod responded to God's gift with a pretended worship. But the Magi responded to God's gift with adoration. And the reality of their devotion was seen in the cost that they were willing to bear. Not merely the cost of those gifts of gold and of frankincense and of myrrh, but the whole endeavor of what they did was costly. The route from Parthia to Jerusalem was some 600 miles. That would be a long trip by car. It was much longer by camel, which is, I imagine, how they came. And the cost that they were willing to bear shows the reality 
of the response. The cost that we're willing to bear shows the reality of our response. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus said to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And he makes as a requirement of those who receive his gift, self-denial of giving ourselves in love to God and love to one another. And to die to ourselves. Those who truly respond to the free gift of God in Christ are those who give up everything because they know that they that what they have valued before is, as Paul came to realize, rubbish so that I may gain Christ. And the reality of their devotion was seen in the fact that they came and they, they worshipped him, they truly worshipped him. Their coming to Christ was no theological curiosity, as it seemed to be for the priests and teachers of the law, if this is real at all, it's just a, the, a theological curiosity. The Magi knew that if the Christ really had come, it was time for them to surrender their sovereignty. And that's what true worship really is, you know, the, the surrender of our sovereignty to acknowledge the lordship of another and to acknowledge our dependence upon him. And the reality of their devotion was seen in allowing their plans to be changed. Herod had said to them, go and make careful search of the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too may worship him. In verse 9 we read, after they'd heard the king, they went on their way. And as it's used here, this word that they heard the king doesn't mean merely that they kind of like passively had the sound come into their ears. It means that they that they, that they listened to it and heeded it. They agreed to it. Okay, this is the plan. And they had no reason to know that Herod was trying to make them complicit in his evil. After all, they'd come 600 miles to honor the newborn king. Surely those who live there in Jerusalem would want to do the same. They'd be overjoyed at his arrival. But once they know, they turn back on their agreement in order to do what's right. Those who only have an enlightened indifference toward Christ or a pretended worship of him would not risk the worldly ire of so powerful a political figure. But the Magi are no indifferent spectators, no pretenders to worship. They're willing to risk the consequences from those who don't really care about the Christ, those who only pretend to worship him. And so they heed the divine directive and they go home by another way. And thinking about Christ and all that we have in him, the Apostle Paul exclaimed, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God has given to us his greatest gift, the greatest gift that we could ever have or receive. It's his son. He's given to us himself and his son. 
Have you received that gift or have you looked at him with enlightened indifference or looked upon him with pretended worship as merely a means to gaining something else? Or have you really received him? Have you taken up your cross and are you determined to die daily to follow him? Have you surrendered your sovereignty to him? Are you willing to have your life's plans changed and rearranged in order to be faithful to him? Those gifts are gifts that can only be given in response to the indescribable gift that God has given to us. Have you received it? You can. You can pray today. You can pray while we're singing the last hymn. You, you can reflect the gift of myrrh, and you can pray, God, I, I know that I have sinned, but I accept the death of Jesus in my place to reconcile myself to you, to pay for my sin. You can reflect the gift of gold in acknowledging him as your sovereign Lord and King. And you can reflect the gift of frankincense in giving to him your unpretended and undiluted worship. Father, as we uh, come to the conclusion of this season, and we've reflected on the, the gifts of the Magi, uh, Lord, might, might we examine our own hearts and lives. And, and might our receiving of this gift be not like the chief priests and the scribes, the teachers of the law, not like Herod, but like the Magi, Lord, those who were the most unlikely to give it. Might we worship you in spirit and in truth, without pretense, without indifference. Father, grant us these things by your great grace for our good and for your glory and for Jesus' sake. Amen.
Thank you.